This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we examine the lives of two very different pastors discipled by Paul, Timothy in Ephesus and Titus on Crete, and hear of their different personalities and how Paul uses each of them in his ministry. Yeah. Now, for this conversation today, we're going to talk about Timothy and Titus, both, pa- well, all three pastoral epistles today. And for basically all my material here, I'm just, I mean, I'm indebted to my teachers on pretty much everything that I teach. But this one especially is a lesson that I picked up from Ray Vanderlaan. And I'm not, and I'm not even going to do that lesson, but he just has influenced me so much when it comes to Timothy that I just give him a shout out. So there is uh, the lesson that influenced me the most is actually on one of his DVDs, volume, session, uh, volume 7. Titled Walk as Jesus Walked. Yep. And then there's the third lesson on that DVD. So volume seven is a DVD, seventh DVD of his series. And and faith lesson number three is called, I believe, An Unlikely Disciple. And that's the one that impacted me. Now, I, I'm not going to do all of it. Um, I'm not even going to do half of it. On, I'm going to repackage the whole thing for our podcast today. And that's because I save the goodies for our trip. Um, and, and the conversation about Timothy is a, a good one, Brent. Absolutely. Like uh, top 10, top five? Um, of the whole trip? Yeah. It's tough because you got Israel in there too. Yeah. 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 It's up there though. I mean, it's good. It's one of the good ones. It's one of my favorites. It's yeah. one of my probably. It's getting close to top five for me. So uh, I saved some of it. So if you, if you, if you think you're going to end up on one of my trips to Turkey and you don't want to ruin the moment, then don't watch the DVD. I'm just telling you right now. Like if you want to ruin it, watch the DVD. If you don't want to ruin it, then don't watch the DVD. Save yourself a little bit of money. No, don't do that. I want you to support Ray's ministry. Just watch everything but Lesson 3. <laughs> Get the DVD after you come back from Turkey. Sure, there you go. Then everybody wins. There you go. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withhold some goodies here. Uh, for I'm just going to repackage it all so it's not the same thing here. But that's what we're going to do. So the next three letters of Paul uh, are often what people call the pastoral epistles. Letters written from Paul to, uh, highly debated, as always, we say that all the time, uh, but written by Paul to two pastors he discipled and left at their respective posts. These letters are far more personal in nature compared to, like, say, his other letters written to churches, large groups of people, but this doesn't mean that they weren't to be shared. Paul writes these correspondences in such a way that they would be shared with the elders and then the churches at large. So it's not just like between him and Timothy or him and Titus alone. He's writing to Titus. He's writing to Timothy with the assumption they're going to share these these conversations with the larger churches, particularly with their leadership especially. Uh, these letters are particularly useful because they speak of ecclesiological. I like that word. Ecclesiological means um, the study of the church. Uh, They speak of ecclesiological matters and address issues of church order and what we might call polity. This is also what makes addressing these books a little bit more difficult, because in a similar fashion to Leviticus, we can either address the book verse by verse or at a macro level. And as we usually do, I'm going to choose the latter for the sake of uh, the scope of session four. Uh, will also serve us well uh, because of the rampant disagreement within the church on very specific issues of church polity. Uh, I have no desire to dodge the tough conversations, but I also have even less desire to miss some of the greater, more poetic and compelling points of the stories that lie behind these letters. And trust me, there are some things I would love to talk about in First Timothy that we're not going to talk about because it's just not the point of the letter, and it would distract us from the larger narrative that we're building here on the podcast. And then there are other topics that you're going to be mad that I don't address. 
Because we have a ton of listenership in this podcast, and it's not. I am. We're just putting out a podcast, right, Brent? Like we're not. Uh, we're not elders. We're not the leaders of some church movement. It's not our place to decide what local church fellowships should be doing or how they should be reading things. It's our job to bring the conversation to the table, uh, give us some tools to ask good questions, point us in a direction, and then let the body of Christ have their own conversations and, and see where they land. We are here to facilitate wrestling. We are not a substitute for your community. Absolutely. And I am not that big. I'm not an authority. Like, I don't have very many letters after my name. I don't have any letters after my name. <laughs> Like I'm, I, I'm not the expert. I'm, I'm just a conduit. That's that's all. That's all I am. So, um, just keep that in mind. There's a lot of things you're like, but you didn't even deal with that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do that on purpose because I want to honor the place and the fellowship of all of our listeners. So there you go. Although we do reserve the right to come back and discuss it later if we so choose. We always reserve the right to talk about the Bible. That's for sure. <laughs> and there are some conversations that probably need to be had in the church. But uh, it's probably all post-Session 5 stuff. We'll see where God leads us. I'll go from there. So, uh, yeah, great case in point for our conversation today is going to be the story of Timothy. Uh, We don't actually meet Timothy in the letters that are penned to him personally. We meet him in the book of Acts as a young boy. From where? From Lystra. From Lystra. We are told that when Paul visits Lystra, he meets Timothy, a young boy whose mother is a Jew, but whose father is a Greek. This is included because of its incredible relevance to Timothy's situation. In the first century, this situation makes Timothy a mamzer or a mumzer, uh, a term used to refer to a child of illegitimate birth. We use that term to talk about which gospel, Brent? Matthew. Matthew, we called it the theme. And we were using mumzer in a much more poetic, broad sense just to talk about outcasts or an outsider. But very specifically, mumzer or a mamzer is a term used to speak of a bastard child without the like icky stigma to it. It's just somebody who was not born to a legitimate Torah-approved relationship. The Torah proclaimed that a mumzer was not allowed to enter the assembly of God's people. He was not allowed to be circumcised. Hence, Timothy's circumcision by Paul later in the book of Acts, and he's not allowed to be a part of the community of the faith, especially in a town like Lystra, which sits on the edge of the same region and province we spoke of in the context of Galatians, meaning it's what country, Brent? What kind of country? Uh, Shammai. Shammai country, not Hillel. So you've got a very obedience-driven, obedience-oriented kind of Judaism. What's interesting is that Paul is continually drawn back to Lystra. Like, can you imagine? Like, you've been to Lystra, big place? Yeah, uh, not not terribly huge, no. (laughs) And why would he even, why would he go there in the first place? Right, like it's kind of, and, and we talked about this back in the Acts portion of our study, Paul is like headed west, and then he ends up after Sergius Paulus taking like due north, which the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Lystra is kind of on the way, but it's on the way to nowhere. Like he's going due north to get to Pisidian Antioch, and and Lystra is kind of in that vein. It's just a weird place, and he keeps coming back to Lystra over and over again. Uh, we mentioned that Paul uh, greatly diverted his course after the conversion of Sergius Paulus. He went north to the region of Galatia and made the same circuit more than once. The ruins of Lystra are incredibly reminiscent of the tell at Colossa. The small mound that sits in the middle of Turkey would be, un- would be unidentified if it weren't for a local farmer who plowed up a stone in the ruins that in essence said, Welcome to Lystra. <laughs> it's kind of a nice sign to plow up. Hey, what's this hill? 
I suppose it's Lystra. Like Colossa, the tell sits unexcavated and the houses and ruins of a small, unimpressive town. Why is Paul being drawn back to this location? Paul will eventually find his first disciple in Lystra. Paul will begin planting fewer churches and start making more disciples. We went over that at the beginning of this session, Brent. Paul is beginning to look and sound more and more like who? Like Jesus. Like Jesus. Not only this, but just like his rabbi Yeshua, Jesus. Paul will choose those whom the world rejects to be his disciples. Remember, those disciples weren't good enough. They had not made it. Paul does the same thing. He finds his first student in a mumser from Lystra named Timothy. This story is one of the most moving in the New Testament. While it's very difficult to capture the emotion that this story packs, it's, it's, a, a, it's heart-wrenching to consider that this rejected loner of a child is approached by a student of the great Rabbi Gamliel, now a student of Yeshua HaMashiach. And here's the words, Lechacharai, come, follow me. The words of Paul will find all kinds of new meaning as you read this letter to Timothy with a little bit new context. Brent, go ahead and give us a bunch of passages here. Tell us where you're reading. Uh, starting right at the top of 1 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, there's uh, that statement. To Timothy, my true son. Can you imagine the apostle Paul? The apostle Paul saying that about you. Timothy, my true son in the faith. Ooh, pretty good. What's what's our next one? You also get a little extra mercy in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Bonus. Yeah, uh, grace and peace, but he gets grace, mercy, and peace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, verse 18, jump it down a little bit. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command and keeping it with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Can you imagine being a mumser? Uh, but somehow hearing these words from the great apostle. Go ahead. Jumping down to chapter four. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Again, if you're, if you're this, this mumser, this kind of like outsider to the faith, and now Paul's saying, don't let anyone look down on you. Like we've read that passage before and we're like, oh yeah, Timothy was kind of young and Paul's encouraged. No, Timothy was an outsider and he probably struggles to be an insider. And Paul looks at him and says, don't let anybody look down on you because of who you are or because of the fact that you're young. You walk the path and you walk it well, no matter who you are and where you've come from and what kind of a mumser you think you are. There are no mumsers in Christ Jesus. So you got one more there, Brett? Yeah, chapter six. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All right, so before we draw too many conclusions about Timothy, it's probably helpful if we become uh, acquainted and introduced to Titus. We don't know a whole lot about the story of Titus, but we can glean from the text, history, and tradition seems to stand in contrast to Timothy. 
Titus is a Gentile, an uncircumcised convert from Antioch, who is stationed on the small island of Crete. And if you remember, Titus showed up where in the book of Acts? Brett? That's such a great question. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Titus showed up. At, he was the case study, if you remember, in Galatians. Actually, I, I actually gave you bad info. It was in Galatians. Uh, there we go. Paul See? says, yeah, I'll you blame it known. on you. You would have known if I would have said course, that. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, Paul says in Galatians, after 14 years, I came back to Jerusalem, and this time I brought... Titus. Titus. Titus was that case study. So uh, that's... Titus is an uncircumcised convert, meaning he didn't become Jewish. He converted to Jesus, but he was an uncircumcised Cretan, and uh, and he brings them, and they decide he doesn't have to become Jewish. He's as he's as Cretan, he's as pagan, he's as uncircumcised as the day he started. Uh, Paul also opens his letter to Titus by calling him a true son of their common faith, and then speaks of this assignment on Crete. Go ahead and read a sprint from what he says. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I mean, Titus has a tough job here on Crete. Consider the consider these next words from Paul in the letter. Where are you, where are you reading from next here, Brent? Verse 10, For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Yeah, yeah I love that little quote there from the... The, their own prophets. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And Paul says, this saying is true. Like, Titus has a tough job on Crete. He's a Cretan. He's from Crete. He he, he works on Crete, and his job is to work with a, not just a pagan crowd, but like a pagan pagan crowd. Like, this is a rough group of people there on Crete in his day. And so uh, he's got a tough job ahead of him. The striking lesson for me is Paul's actions in the assignments of his disciples. According to our study, uh, Paul has raised up two, among others, disciples. I've always called these two Tough Titus and Timid Timothy. Tough Titus and Timid Timothy. Remember, it was Timothy who was told not to let anyone look down on him because he was young. And Paul also will write this to Timothy. I believe this is from 2 Timothy. You got a passage for us here? Uh, Yeah, chapter 1. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It seems to me that Timothy struggles on some level with timidity and confidence. Paul will need to station pastors at two different churches, Crete and Ephesus. He has two candidates, Tough Titus and Timid Timothy. 
Who do you post where? And I understand some might say, put tough Titus on Crete. They're a rough crowd, which is, I mean, that's fine. But please don't forget about Ephesus. Ephesus will be the headquarters of the early church in Asia and Asia Minor. It's considered to be the largest church in the first century. And depending on which scholar you're talking to, the estimates for population of the first century Ephesus will range from half a million to a million and a half people. This is the second largest city in the Roman Empire, second only to Rome itself. This is a big deal. Like you're going to stake the the church, uh, the church, and what's considered kind of like the headquarters of the church after Antioch, what will become the headquarters of the early church movement. And you're going to risk it all on tough Titus or timid Timothy. I mean, Crete is a tiny island. It's a low risk, moderate reward situation. But Ephesus is a huge risk, high reward situation at least by our standards, our worldly standards. But I'm reminded that my standards are not always the measuring stick used in the kingdom. While Timothy would have never been given the green light by many of our great church planning organizations, he was by Paul. And Paul knows that it's not going to be easy, but he believes in Timothy. Okay, so we got some uh, more words here from Second uh, Timothy that we want to we want to look at, and it's actually going to contain the passage we looked at a moment ago. We're going to read a little bit bigger portion, a little bit of context, a little context. We're kind of into that. Listen to Paul talking to Timid Timothy here, as he's been stationed in Ephesus. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Yeah, I mean, everything about this just is, he stationed them in the wrong place. And I'm reminded of that same book I recommended a couple episodes ago um, by Robert Farrar Capon, or Capone, depending on how you want to say it, Uh, Kingdom Grace Judgment, book on parables. It's just so good. Uh, totally recommend reading it. And and one of the things that Capon keeps talking about in that book is this idea of right-handed and left-handed power and how everything in the kingdom is upside down. And the kingdom is not about winning. The kingdom is about losing. And I know that we listen to that and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the weak will become strong and all that. But we always think like losing is the new winning, like losing is the way to win. And, and, and he does a great job just teaching like, no, the way of the kingdom is actually just losing. Like, Losing is the way of the kingdom. Losing isn't a new way of winning. 
losing is what the kingdom does and and you lose because death is what brings about resurrection and so you die to something you lose in the world's eyes because you're dying to this thing that's going to be and that's what he's doing here with with timothy and titus he's not using titus in the place that we would think he would use titus he's using timothy there because paul is like dying to this worldly wisdom and building a church on on different kind of 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 thinking and so later, uh, Paul's going to kind of close some thoughts by saying this in Second Timothy. Go ahead, Brent. Okay, jumping down to chapter 3. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued— Remember, by the way, he saw Paul get what in Lystra? Like he meets—Timothy meets Paul after Paul gets— was he whipped or something? He's stoned, stoned, and dragged out of the drug out of the city, left for dead, and and Timothy sees all of it. Like Timothy has witnessed, like firsthand, what it means to be Paul and the persecution that Paul's endured. Go ahead. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Mm. I find myself inspired again and again by Paul's call to Timothy. Leaving him in the largest church, struggling with confidence, Paul insists in his belief in timid Timothy, a redeemed mumser in Christ Jesus, and leaves him with this charge. Preach the word. May we be as bold to follow the instructions and actions of the rabbi that came before us and his early followers, like Paul. The pastoral epistles. Brent Billings, we got one more from Paul. The little letter to Philemon. Sounds good. Is that a pastoral epistle as well? Kind of? Uh, sort of? No, no. It's a personal epistle, though. Um, personal epistle. It's like a okay. personal epistle because it's written to Philemon, but it's also meant to be directed to the church. So, yeah. We're actually going to have... It's a little tiny letter. It's, it's an interesting one. But, uh, yeah, we're going to actually have a pretty good discussion about that one. It's going to be great. Love it. All right. Well, that is uh, another episode down. So, if you have any questions, go to com. All of the... Show notes that we've talked about, the links that we've talked about, the books we've recommended, videos we've recommended, everything is there. Uh, they're also in your notes. If you scroll down in your podcast app, you should see those. So thanks for joining us on the Baymall Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.